Zara, I am so excited to talk about today's sponsor. It's the new film, Challenges. It's from the director of Call Me By Your Name, Luca Guadagnino, and stars and is produced by none other than our girl Zendaya. Yeah, you know I love her. You love her too. I love her so much. Zendaya plays Tashi Duncan, a former tennis prodigy turned coach who is married to a Grand Slam champion, currently on a losing streak. And if that's not bad enough, Tashi's strategy to help her husband break his curse sort of takes a surprising and awkward turn. Hmm, awkward indeed. Because now he must face off against his former best friend and Tashi's ex-boyfriend, Patrick. Zara, the tensions are running high. I know. Tashi's someone who makes no apologies for her game on and off the court. It's her game, her rules, but with her past and present colliding, Tashi must face reality and ask herself, what will it cost to win? Challenges is the sexy drama that everyone's talking about and it's definitely not one you want to miss. It's about passion, friendship and what happens when your past comes back to challenge you. You can grab a ticket from Tuesday the 26th. So grab your friends and get excited. I will be grabbing you and we are definitely going to be going to watch it. Oh, please. Thank you so much to Challenges for making this episode of Shameless possible. All right, ready? All right, chirpy podcast mode. Hello and welcome to Shameless, the celebrity and pop culture podcast that this week was crowned new and noteworthy by Apple Podcasts. You're joined, as always, by Melbourne journalist Zara McDonald, that's the lady over there, and me, Michelle Andrews. Hello. Hello. How are you? How do you feel being new and noteworthy? What, us and every other thousand podcasts? Shut up. No, it's good. It's great. We've had a lot of new listeners this week. Shout out to the, what, 25 people in Italy? I'm going to Italy in... Two months, we could organise a meet and greet. <laughs> I'm kidding, obviously. It was just a, a roundabout way of also bragging about going to Italy. Yeah, your European holiday. You're leaving me for a whole month. Yeah, so there was lots of just blatant brags in that. I have about 300 followers on Instagram, so we cannot possibly do a meet and greet. <laughs> it was nice, though. It was our biggest week of downloads ever. Yeah, it's been really good. And by ever, I mean in the about two months that we've been making this well, podcast. Well, this is what, episode nine? Yeah, baby steps, baby steps. Coming up on today's show, Australia's 2018 Bachelorette has been announced, although not everyone is thrilled with Channel 10's choice. Plus, the problematic wellness influencer who says she treated her precancerous cells naturally, and then the glittery phenomenon that is the party of the year, the Met Gala. But first, Zara, how was your week? Good. So my football team won. Which, you know, actually moulds my entire moods for the week. Oh, my God. Um, No, I don't actually go for a football team. It's really not nice to start me asking a question about your week by mocking. (laughs) Because every time you ask me, I get very nervous because I wonder (laughs) what it is I've actually done with my entire week. And the answer, I'm telling you, is not much. Okay, great. I go out for coffee maybe a couple of times, go to work, do this podcast. I can see you feeling really self-conscious now that everyone Because I never think of an answer until you ask me. Yeah, well, our listeners are realising how boring you are. I Well, I have actually been working a different shift this week, so I've been getting up (laughs) at four o'clock. Yeah, you're almost living the life of like a breakfast radio announcer. Yes, almost is the operative word in that sentence. Um, And yeah, I haven't had lunch today. That's basically my week. Okay, cool. How about you? How was my week? It's been okay. My football team did win. Thanks for making a mockery of it all. Uh, We're in my lounge room again today and we are surrounded by washing. 
which is lovely. Mitch's shirts look nice. Oh, purple. Yeah, Mitch does the washing all the time. People think I'm the clean one in this house. Not at all. Do we think purple shirts are okay? Um, Mitch does, clearly. (laughs) (laughs) I'll have you know Mitch left our Shameless Celebrity Gossip Facebook group this Uh, week. I'm waiting for my siblings to do that. It was kind of a compliment. He turned to me in the car and went, too many random women were posting in it and I kept getting notifications. That is fair enough. It is it is time to go. <laughs> it's time to leave Mitchell Rees. All right. So do talk to me about Ali the Bachelorette. Because what are your feelings? Bachelor has been a bit of a whitewash this week. It has been everywhere. Bachelor in Paradise, I should say. Um, how do I feel about Ali? Felt a bit anticlimactic. On the day of Bachelor in Paradise's finale, there were a lot of reports that the bachelorette was going to be announced on the project it didn't happen um and then it has sort of awkwardly happened at the end of the show mm. and I don't know I was it felt a bit flat to me I really wasn't expecting Ali and I'm going to agree with you I was totally disappointed as were the majority of Australians if you went and looked at any of the Facebook statuses that Channel 10 put out about Ali being the 2018 mm. bachelorette the top comment was no. I don't think that's uncommon, though. I mean, I think in the last few years when Sam Frost has been announced or Richie's been announced or Maddie Jo... Maddie Jo. Maddie Jo. Maddie J has been announced. I don't think people have all universally been stoked with that. But there was something about Ali that did feel, like I said, a bit anticlimactic. Um, Particularly I, anticlimactic. Because she had less of a personality than the other three had in their respective seasons of The Bachelor. Yeah. To be blunt. And I think she's... Opinion. And it was probably the way the producers cut it, but I'll just be completely brutally honest from my perspective. Ali didn't really offer much other than her appearance. So much of what her presence on The Bachelor in Paradise was about was how hot is Ali. And to me, that's not very engaging. I don't want to watch someone as The Bachelorette just because they're super hot. I agree with you. I 100% agree with you. I do wonder if they saw something else that we didn't see. I mean, we have learned time and time again that we can't take any of these shows just as they are. Although I have to admit on saying that, I'm just going to disagree with myself all in the same (laughs) sentence. Um, uh, I spoke to Kira Maguire this morning. Yeah. Just Just naturally. No, for for an article. And she said this show more than any, um, the producers were able to sit back and not do as much because things just happen naturally. And she said, I saw an article. It was quite embarrassing. She said, I laughed because I saw you write an article about how this whole scene was so contrived by the producers. And I was pissing myself reading it because it happened really naturally. What scene was that? Um, It was a rose ceremony. She said all the rose ceremonies weren't weren't contrived at all. That was just really natural. Yeah. Um, I don't reckon the speeches were. But I have to admit, but in saying that, so that's really interesting in that Ali on the screen was probably Ali, the person that we are going to see on The Bachelorette. Mm. I just don't know why we're outraged that somebody doesn't have as much of a personality as we're used to, because traditionally The Bachelor and The Bachelorette are blank canvases. I don't think it's an... I don't think it's an outrage, number one. I think it's more of a disappointment. But I don't think it's necessarily to do just with her personality and her being more of a chilled out person I think it's definitely to do with the fact that at the beginning of this franchise we were seeing bachelor and bachelors and bachelorettes who were there because not only were they attractive they were an all-round catch they Mm. had amazing careers they had every other aspect of their life going for them except for their love life whereas with Ali I don't see her having this amazing career or having this incredible lifestyle that makes her Australia's most eligible woman. And that's nothing against Ellie. I'm certainly not Australia's most eligible woman, but I just feel like our standards might have dropped a little bit 
Yeah, and I think we can be clear as well in this conversation that we are necessarily talking about Ali the character rather than Ali the person because we don't know Ali the person and the only person that's ever been presented to us is Ali the character. So, I mean, we can be clear about that. But I do agree with you in that sometimes when, and you have seen this a lot when you look on social media commentary, that a lot of people are saying, why are we going back and still picking the people that we've already seen? Can't we have for lack of a better term, fresh meat, um, <laughs> on the show. Yum. Um, and I wonder if the reason behind that is because when they did that with Georgia Love, the ratings weren't that good. Yeah, Georgia Love, but there have been other Bachelors and Sophie Monk, for example, was the highest rating star mm. on the entire series so what, between do- Bachelor and Bachelor. Yes, it's hard to get celebrities, but I wouldn't mind betting that the Honey Badger pulls serious ratings. Yeah, I don't doubt that either. Mm. I just wonder how many celebrities we can go through. Can we be like, yes, let's get Nicole Kidman on. (laughs) Before we move on, she's married to Keith Urban anyway, Zara. But before we move on, I do want to quickly add that I find it really interesting that being the bachelorette is actually basically a business opportunity these days. We know that Ellie is in the fitness industry. She's kind of, I guess, a fitness influencer. Would that be how you describe her? how she's trying to brand herself for sure. Yeah. So she initially, when she was on Bachelor in Paradise, was going to be releasing a fitness and food ebook in April. So obviously that was to coincide with the timing of her being on television and her worth being at its absolute highest in the public eye fascinating to me that she has now withheld that ebook from the public there is no word on the new release date and i wouldn't mind betting the release date coincides with her being being shown to the world as australia's newest bachelorette yeah no absolutely i don't even know if that's as deliberate as it sounds i definitely think the april date is deliberate for sure because why wouldn't you capitalize on that if you possibly can but i wouldn't mind betting that she went to Los Angeles to be with Grant. That didn't work out. She came home, didn't really have enough time to put it all together before she had to start filming again. Um, I just think she's got an uphill battle ahead of her because we saw the three people I think that I can think of off the top of my head are Richie, Maddie and Sam Frost who have gone on the show and then gone on to be the next Bachelor or Bachelorette. And all three were adored on their seasons and then when they came to be the bachelor and the bachelorette public sentiment fell off a bit they're Mm. still largely liked but public sentiment did fall off fall off a bit and when you're not starting from that really really high level of public love then what happens and now michelle it is time for the quick and dirty as always we will bring you five of the most talked about stories of the rough and tumble of the new cycle. Michelle, this is your week. Are you ready? Hello, born ready. Uh, I think you say that a bit. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe because I am. Alrighty, guys, quick and dirty. Here we go. My very first story is Meghan Markle's brother says it's not too late to call off the wedding in letter to Prince Harry. That was from The Independent. I have deja vu. Yeah, same. I feel like we've talked about this before because it's not the first time her siblings have come out and said something as ludicrous as this. Yeah, her half-sister Samantha has made it very well known that she's not a fan of Megan anymore. I just, it's actually so disgraceful to me that these people are being so ugly and acting so hideously in the public light. I wonder how much money they've actually made off this. Like, I, I mean, there's no doubt that they would be being paid for their interviews. Um, Thomas Markle published this open letter. I think it was in In Touch magazine. Uh, how much he would have got for that, I God knows what. 
Thomas is really interesting though because he's done a bit of a backflip. A year ago, he was publicly supporting his sister um, and you know, denouncing Samantha and her trying to publish that book. And it sort of feels like the minute our invitations went out and he didn't get one, he's come out scathingly in so many different publications and given these kinds of interviews. It's actually so embarrassing and so exhausting. Their father got an interview to the wedding. and An it- interview to the wedding. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> an invite to the wedding. Jesus Christ. Um, yeah, he got an invite. They didn't. They just seem like really hideous people by the way they're behaving and just doesn't make them look good. To be honest, it doesn't affect the way I see Megan at all. It affects the way I see her yeah. wider family. And I think that's pretty... Um, a pretty commonly held belief as well. All right, story number two. Ryan Reynolds reacts to wife Blake Lively unfollowing him on Instagram. Definitely stings. This is from US Weekly. Us Weekly? Us Weekly? US Weekly? Fuck. This happens Damn. at least once an episode. <laughs> um, this is a little bit of clickbait, isn't it? It is. It is yeah. total clickbait. So this is anyone, the easiest story to clickbait as well. Yeah, it is. And lots of people would have clicked on it. I have no doubt. For anyone unaware, Blake Lively is currently promoting a new movie that she has coming out. Something about a girl going missing. I don't know. Blake Sounds Lively. A bit go- gone girlish, doesn't it? Yeah. Blake Lively tends to star in these really kind of cheap, horror-esque films. Why wouldn't you? She just needs a good payday every Maybe because you want to act in something a little bit. Anyway, we're going off on a tangent. (laughs) Um, So basically for promotion for her film, she unfollowed everyone on her Instagram account and only followed women with this one name. It was like Emily Reynolds or something. No. Reynolds. (laughs) (laughs) You are not cutting that out. You have to leave that in. (laughs) (laughs) It's not editing this sec. Um, no, I won't. I don't care. I'm Emily flawed. Sim- uh, fl- being flawed makes me more likable. <laughs> <laughs> it was something like Emily Simmons. I don't know. I don't think it was Emily Simmons. <laughs> it doesn't Tell matter. what we should have done. Research. No, it's It was fine. Emily someone. And imagine if your name was this person because it's like, great, just got a follow from um, Blake Lively. Lively. I did think, God, if you were Blake Lively, I wonder if they found a way to, to delete because she deleted all their photos and everything from the platform. If there was a way for sort of to store the profile yeah, to same. bring it back to life. That's quite a big commitment because it's like, I see my Instagram as kind of like a living photo album mm. and I don't often, but sometimes we'll go back and look at what I was doing in 2014 I've, or 2015. I always do that and not as a vanity thing, but I will always tag my friends and be like, I cannot believe this was five years ago. Zara, please, you're pretty vain. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so Blake Lively on obviously unfollowed Ryan Reynolds and then he did interviews about it and then it just added extra meat, meat to the whole damn thing and it's all for PR Good on him. It's pro- it's pretty clever. I have it's to hand clever. it to her. And what a commitment, deleting all your photos if you can't get them back. Mm, she can cry into her millions and millions of dollars about that. All right, story three. Hope he has a long holiday. Today, viewers turn on work shy. Carl Stefanovic as support grows for Ben Fordham taking over show permanently. This They're is from the Daily Mail. Oh, of course. It's always going to be a bit of a tongue tie. <laughs> they must have a minimum, like... 30 words per headline. Oh, like, they must. Their headlines are the entire story. Sometimes I, I love that Daily Mail headlines, though, probably 50% of them all have one capitalized word. Yeah, and it's always a rogue one. Like, it's not the word you'd expect. So in this sentence, I imagine it would be work shy. <laughs> like, just something weird. Work shy. Anyway. Um, sorry. I think we should do a segment on just trying to read out as many Daily Mail headlines as we can to see who's the first to stumble. Are you trying to derail my quick and dirty segment? (laughs) Um, I do. I have a quite fondness for Ben Fordham. So I like him on the Today Show. I think rumor has it, 
Carl's over it anyway and has been for a very long time, I would not be surprised if he was out by the end of the year. Yeah. Is that the sense that you have too? Definitely. And if you look back at Carl Stefanovic's work roster over the last few months, he's list- he's missed 11 weeks of work since November. But is that unusual? Like I Absolutely know, unusual. Not so for him, but like... For him, it's definitely unusual because he, like anyone else, has four weeks of leave. No, he doesn't. They have about seven. Well, there's non-ratings period, but... He they, had, have, they definitely have more leave than the average person because they work such obscure hours. But he works with the network in other and so realms. Then he, yeah, and so he'd be taking leave for that as well. That's why I'm like, I wonder, I would love to see, um, looking back at his two years before that, to see how many weeks he's away. I wouldn't be surprised at all if it's way more mm. this year. Like it does sound like a huge number of weeks. It does, and it's not all explained by the network. Plenty of publications have gone to Channel 9 and asked for basically a please explain as to why Carl Stefanovic is off every month. Mm. Um, and the network came back with some excuses about him working on other TV shows, but when publications chase that up, Filming for the other TV shows that Carl Stefanovic is on goes for a week, and that's when he had leave ages ago anyway. So it doesn't really sync up. Um, he's obviously in his new relationship with Jasmine Yabra. Yeah. I always got to say Yasmine for some reason. Yeah, so do I. Do you think it's Yasmin an easier Yabra. name? Maybe it's an easier name to say. Um, yeah, I, they always come back, you're right, I was going to say, with vague 60 minutes assignments yes. too. And he's only been on two yeah. this entire year. And nobody chases that up in six weeks to see if he's actually on the show because by then the moment is lost. Yeah. So it'll be really interesting to see what happens this week. They might just want an entire reboot of the show with new hosts entirely. I will say this. If you ever read something about Carl Stefanovic and today in the Daily Telegraph, that's probably the best source to get it from because I know the journalists at Daily Telegraph do have a lot of intel into Channel 9. Annette Sharp certainly does. Yeah, so. she's normally bang on the money. So I bet he's out, he's up in his contract at the end of the year anyway. His contract expires in December. So story four, ready? Sarah Michelle Gellar shared a photo of her shoe closet. Fury and envy ensued. That's from Mamma Mia. Uh, you don't care? Nah. She had a wall, uh, sorry, floor to ceiling high shoe closet and basically posted it on Instagram and said hashtag girl problems. And so it was so funny. The entire comment section. Like first was, world problems. Yeah, it was filled with hashtag rich girl problems. Yeah, okay, yeah. And then a whole lot of women got really angry because just because I'm a woman doesn't mean I like shoes and makeup oh and hair. So I don't know. I, th- I think it is interesting. I definitely would love a life of riches and wealth, but I don't really take very kindly to flashy displays of wealth. Yeah, I don't even see that as necessarily that flashy. I can think of much flashier things that people do to show their wealth. To show an entire shoe closet. It was very... That's probably normal to them. I don't think anyone in Hollywood... Shoe closet? I don't think anyone in Hollywood wouldn't have a shoe closet. That's like showing your garage full of cars. It might be normal for them, but it's still a flashy display of wealth. No, no, no. I'm not saying it's not flashy. I just think on the scale of zero to supremely flashy, (laughs) it's somewhere in the middle. Um, but yeah, her, to be honest, I even had a good inspect of the shoes and I, maybe I'm not interested because the shoes weren't they were really ugly. They were. I really I like would them. much prefer to see someone like a fashion influencer's shoe closet. I remember Pandora Sykes. <gasps> Pandora Sykes shoe closet. Yeah. She's from our favorite podcast, The Hilo. Yeah. I remember when she posted her Instagram of her shoe closet, I was like zooming in on all the <laughs> shoes, whereas Sarah Michelle didn't have very good shoes. No, she didn't. Next, I'm rolling you you along this one. My last story, Kanye just crashed the TMZ newsroom to say slavery was a choice. That is from Vulture. Talk me through it. Goodness me, Kanye. If uh, nobody, if someone hasn't seen this video, I would definitely recommend 
watching it because Kanye is being interviewed live on TMZ with the founder of TMZ. This is the same guy we were actually talking about last, last episode, week yeah. who went to Kanye's house after writing that Kanye was unhinged to so that Kanye could prove that he wasn't. Um, and he was doing this interview and somehow, uh, to be honest, I just tune out when Kanye talks because he goes on such long rambling tangents that I just don't really understand what he's even saying. I don't think anyone does. But he did get to a point where he said that slavery was a choice. And, um, I don't even think we have to say that he implied that he pretty clearly stated that. And then the clip very weirdly cut to him turning around to the entire TMZ newsroom and saying, Hey guys, do you think that I'm thinking and talking freely? And, um, one of these guys, one of the guys that works there, I think his name is Van Lethan or Lethan. Um, and he's a podcast host and writer at TMZ. He stood up straight away and sort of gave Kanye a really eloquent, articulate serve. Frankly, I'm disappointed. I'm appalled. And brother, I am unbelievably hurt by the fact that you have morphed into something, to me, that's not real. Which made me think straight away, I wonder if this was set up because this is very articulate to come out of your mouth straight away. But regardless, I don't even care. Um, and yeah, there's been a heap of backlash. A lot of funny backlash too that's, you know, funny but quite serious. I don't know yeah. if you've looked at the um, hashtag if slavery was a choice on um, yeah. Twitter. And I love it when these type of situations which are quite horrifying – to be honest, I love when they're handled with such blistering humor because oh it's such a good way to combat it's such idiotic a good comments. Way also, of you're so right of, of combating idiotic comments and just pointing out how ridiculous it is without being angry all the time. Yeah. Um, so I quite enjoyed that. Didn't enjoy Kanye's comments. I'm waiting for him to shut up now. I think. Yes, yeah, I'm a bit over it. Mm, very much. It's so. Been two weeks and I'm so over it. That is all for the quick and dirty this week. Thank you so much, Michelle. Anytime. Oh my god. I love your skirt. Where did you get it? Uh, it was my mom's in the 80s. Vintage. So adorable. Thanks. <laughs> that is the ugliest effing skirt I've ever seen. This week, popular Australian wellness influencer Sarah Stevenson, better known as Sarah's Day, announced to her 445,000 Instagram followers, I'm actually crying with happiness. This is by far the most exciting announcement I've ever had the pleasure of sharing with you this week. She went on to explain, I have reversed my cervical dysplasia. For those unaware, cervical dysplasia refers to the presence of abnormal precancerous cells in the cervix. It's also referred to as SIN or SIN3, which is picked up by pap smears. The blogger said, after a lot of research, prayer and thought, I requested that my gynecologist give me a few months to try and treat myself naturally. A few months passed and I made a conscious effort every day to secure my cervix through supplements, food and lifestyle factors. The announcement from the woman who describes herself as YouTube's holistic health princess, who has over 1 million followers across Instagram, YouTube and her podcast, was met with adoration and glee from her extremely young female fan base. Zara, how do you feel about Sarah's day and the message she's so freely sharing? What a loaded question. It is. And the introduction there that I wrote was so long because I feel like this is such an important topic and I feel like there's so much to pack in there so that we can unpack it all. Yes, agreed. And also I would hate to misquote anyone as well or anything like that. So it is really important that we get everything that she's saying correctly down, you know, on air. 
I was pretty furious when I first came across Sarah's Day Instagram. I'm not going to beat around the bush about it. Um, I hadn't heard of her, um, which is unusual for me considering how much time I spend on Instagram. But it also shows how much time you spend in your little Instagram bubble. Yeah. Um, and you told me about her and I went looking and I went through her podcast, I listened to her podcast, went through her YouTube and I went through her Instagram and I was completely horrified. I do not think that there's another way to put it. Um, she is sort of this holistic queen that just tends to treat all of her ailments with healthy eating, healthy lifestyle choices. I think her overall message is she often says, I don't hate doctors and I don't hate Western medicine, but for me, I want to treat myself naturally and food is a medicine. That is the overriding message of Sarah's days, YouTube, Instagram, her podcast, which is called The Health Code. I'm sure if you're listening to our podcast, you've probably seen it around the feeds. It's doing extremely well in Australia. That is the message that you can heal yourself with the food you put into your body. And... I think we should be clear that she doesn't have a qualification. She's done a year of a marketing degree. She is not qualified to be talking about these things. It's not good enough for me to say, for me to hear her say, I don't have anything against doctors because I have spent three days deep diving this woman and not once did I hear that. Mm. Okay. So if she's only saying this once every six months, that's not good enough to me. That's not enough. Mm. And also I think actions speak louder than words. If you are talking way, way, way more about natural medicine than you are about anything else, then it just looks by implication, that you do have something against Western medicine. Now, I do agree that healthy food and eating well and really being careful about what you put in your body is important for a lot of people, and I think there's absolute merit to that. But the lack of nuance in anything that she does astounded me when Mm -hmm. I first came into contact with her. And I think... If you're new listening to this podcast or even if you've come here as a Sarah's Day listener, I think it's really important that we give you context as to the perspective we're coming from. So we're two journalists. We are trained in operating in fact and we are trained in, I guess, really analysing what people are putting out and the content they're putting out into the world and the flow-on effect that has. And consulting experts because we don't, yeah. our opinions aren't enough. No, exactly. And I think it, I come to this with a unique experience um, as an 18 19-year-old, I had disordered eating problems. And during that time, I became so obsessive. I think uh, I never got formally diagnosed until I've seen a psychologist in the last 12 months about anxiety. But I would say that I had something between orthorexia and anorexia. And so when you have that, you become unhealthily obsessed with food. And I was so minutely focused on what I was putting into my body and so extreme about what I wouldn't eat. For example, I wouldn't eat potatoes for a full year because I was worried about the calorie content. And so during that time, I started a food blog and that food blog was called The Clean Eating Diary. So... I have skin in the game here. When I was a teenager, I contributed to this culture. I was reviewing Skinny Me Tea. I was looking at different dieting techniques and weight loss techniques, and I was fanatical about it. So I completely understand how someone like Sarah's Day, who is also obsessed with food and has also said that she lost her period like I did from orthorexic-like behavior. She said she wasn't eating enough. She was training two hours a day every day and she lost her period. So this is a girl who clearly, like me, has a history of an unhealthy relationship with food. And I want to make it really, really clear to everyone that I understand how you can end up in this position where you think you are so obsessed with something and you're reading and you are consuming content about something so much that it makes you feel like you're an expert. But can I just say, you said then... um, 
that you were so consumed by food that you started a food blog. She's not just consumed by food that she's starting a food blog. She's consumed by her skin, so she's handing out skin advice. She's consumed by her gut health, so she's handing out gut health advice. She's consumed by her spider bite, so she's handing out spider bite advice, antibiotic advice. Mm. Like this is not just one thing. This is an expert, she thinks, on an entire array of things. No, absolutely. And that's what I was about to say. I understand how you get to that point. And my food blog would have lasted three months before I got rid of it. That's the point as well. Yeah. So I can understand how you enter, you get on that path. I don't understand how it's gone to the point where it's gotten, where she's got the reach and the influence. She did a collaboration with White Fox Boutique last year. She's got trail mixes coming out with different health, health and food companies. She's got affiliate codes with different vitamin companies. She is one of the biggest names in the health industry in Australia. And it terrifies me that we are talking about cancer. We are talking about precancerous cells. And we have one of the most vocal people in Australia, in the Australian health and food and lifestyle industry, saying, I went, I treated it with food. It sounds Belle Gibson-y, doesn't it? It really, really does. I have been wondering to you, and I said to you when you first, we started talking about it and you first introduced me to her. And I said, I don't understand why this conversation hasn't happened, why there's nothing when I go online about this, why we're not picking up anyone on Instagram who is pretending to be an expert at something. Mm. And this is, she's certainly not an anomaly. I don't think she's an extreme, but she's not an anomaly. And I think it's because Instagram for so many years has been such a young person's game. And there's been no regulators, not even with sponsored posts until the last year or two. And there's no one to pick these people up on this. And I think in um, the public eye, we have someone like Pete Evans, who we pick up all the time on Mm -hmm. shit that he says. He gets quite a bad rap for anything that he says publicly. And I wonder if it's because it's happening on an entirely different forum. Mm -hmm. Now, I know that she started a podcast and she's trying to crack into mainstream, but I wonder if she and when she does, the criticism comes more freely. It's interesting you made the parallel between Pete Evans as well because Sarah's day does describe herself as a paleo plant-based. So where's the criticism? Because Pete Evans is copying it all the time. Yeah, exactly. And I, this is the thing because it's really difficult and it's such a difficult conversation to have because if Sarah's day does end up listening to this, which I think she will because our audiences overlap, I understand why she's got such a big following because she has a very bubbly very endearing very engaging personality and you don't get to where she has without really focusing on your content and working hard at putting out content all the time I want to make it really crystal clear that we are criticizing the fact that you cannot give out health advice without a qualification my sister is studying medicine right now and when I showed her this Evelyn is at Melbourne University and she's in her second year of trying to training to become a doctor I guess Evelyn said she's like it takes a decade to become a qualified doctor it takes 10 years for you to be fully qualified and it enrages people in that and I imagine Evelyn wouldn't even want to give advice right now no she doesn't that's what I mean and I have um girlfriends in this similar field like a girlfriend doing medicine and she doesn't even want to diagnose me she's fifth year I just think this idea that experience is universal and individual experience is helpful, is bullshit. This idea that so many people champion on Instagram now is this happened to me. So why don't I tell you my story and you can take something from that? Yeah. And and we started that probably, I think that idea probably started blogging. And as a lifestyle idea, it's helpful when you talk about issues like um, getting over relationship breakups or something like that. 
But when we're talking about health, I mean, I have endometriosis. The last thing I'm going to do in the world when I write about endometriosis, which I rarely do, is talk about A, how I was treated, B, what worked for me. Because I think the minute you pen that down, the implication is that you assume that people should take something on board from that and then you expect it could work for a handful of people as well. And there's a certain amount of arrogance in that. I'm sorry, I'm just going to say it. Yeah, and I think it's also extremely different to be a beauty influencer and tell people how to best apply foundation than it is to tell people how to treat their cervical dysplasia. And Sarah does try and circumvent this. So Sarah has obviously preemptively known that people will criticize her for this. And in the one post where she said, I reversed my cervical dysplasia, she wrote, I'm just here to share my story and my my experience and the way I take care of my body. Surgery has its place. However, if I've been given the grace of a few months to try and treat myself naturally, why wouldn't I? And I have to reject that because by her very job title, which is influencer, Sarah's day needs to appreciate that by sharing my story, she is influencing hundreds of thousands of young women. Brands and companies and movements pay her dollars and pay her bills in her influential ability. Yeah. They pay her because she gets young women on board to do whatever she tells them to do. I think the minute you accept a paycheck from anyone for your opinion or the minute for your brand, you cannot possibly deny that just by sharing your experience is just your experience in a vacuum. That's why I just said if I ever wrote about my endometriosis, I get paid as a journalist to write on the internet. I cannot possibly therefore say, well, I just wrote about my experience. If somebody takes something on board that, that's their fault. Yeah, I get paid to do that. That's my job. So therefore I can't actually have that argument. It's void. No, you're absolutely right. And another whole point to this, it's so meaty and there's so much to talk about. Another point to this is I'm not anti-alternative medicine. Mm. I think alternative medicine always needs to be framed as a complementary side factor to traditional medicine. I agree. And I think that's why these conversations are hard to have without looking like you're either one way or the other. Um, and neither of us are against alternative mes- no. medicine at all. I think go to your doctor. If something doesn't work, then go find something else that works for you. Yeah. I think that's a pretty healthy way to live your life. Acupuncture um, has been amazing in in my experience and I love it and I am not anti-alternative medicine but I'm anti this <laughs> yeah, whatever this is I also think when um what we should probably flag is that when someone like Sarah's day is talking about and I was watching a YouTube video about her talking about gut health after she had antibiotics and the, the the overriding message that I took from that and this could be different from the overriding message that she intended but I think right now that's irrelevant your intention is different to outcome um is that antibiotics are the devil and that you should never be taking them because it messed with her gut so badly that it gave her brain fog. Firstly, I looked at the bottom of that and it, and it really terrified me that 400 people, 400,000 people had watched this video because she often quotes research. She said, research shows, or I read research about this. And I think we, I think we should talk about the fact that not all research is made equal. Um, it depends where you get your research on, who wrote it, where it's coming from. I could write a research paper on bullshit right now, to be honest. I could write a research paper on anything. It could still be called research. And I think in this Instagram age, in this digital realm, we've lost the ability to look at experts and recognize what a good expert looks like. Yeah. And if we're going to talk about research, we should probably talk about the fact that Harvard Health published a paper in 2008 debunking detoxing. So one of the prime things she's talking about all the time, which is detoxing your body from the inside out, 
Harvard has written about that and basically called it a dubious practice and said you are spending more money, you are emptying your wallet instead of ridding your body of toxins. It's not really legitimate. Also speaking about research, we did um, reach out to the Cancer Council about this because our opinions aren't enough. Yeah, we're not qualified as medical experts. And I think it was interesting. I mean, this was my favorite. They sent a really, really long statement about this. And I'll read you my favorite part. It was cervical cancer is an important cancer in women causing around 250,000 deaths per year globally. I think we should just rest on that fact alone. How important this is, what we're talking about. This is like a quarter of a million women dying from something like this. And somebody is talking about treating it naturally. The cancer cancer went on. There is strong evidence that 28% of women with sin will regress spontaneously. However, there is no evidence that there is anything a woman can do in terms of diet or lifestyle that promotes regression. So basically, they've just completely debunked everything Sarah's day put out to her 400,000 young followers. That it, well, this could happen spontaneously. How about having a disclaimer at the bottom of that Instagram post that say, my, rather than my health and lifestyle did this, 30% of women regress. Yes, literally... This happens to so many women who aren't taking all these supplements that she's sponsored to promote and aren't doing all these things. And that fact in itself, I mean, we reached out to a number of doctors and a doctor did get back to me and said she didn't want to be named, but I'll include what she said as well, that this is super dangerous, what's being said. The body gets rid of abnormal cells along with the virus. That causes the changes. That is what it does. This is the immune system in action. That is why not everyone gets surgery. These are doctors who have worked in this field for decades, people who have studied this, people who have worked in research labs. And it infuriates me that someone comes along and says, well, I took 25 immune defense vitamins a day. And so this has happened. I reversed it. No, you were probably just in the 30% that it randomly happens to. I I was thinking about last night when we have spoken a little bit amongst ourselves and I think that we'll eventually get to an episode about this um, when we talk about people that buy followers on Instagram. And we were talking about, because it's, it's everywhere, so many influencers buying followers. Um, and we spoke a lot about this idea that when these influencers, and I should say this isn't a totally separate thing. I, I haven't, Sarah's Day has probably got an organic Yeah, following. she does have an organic yeah. following. I looked into it. So I should be careful about that. But a lot of different influencers um, are signing contracts with brands based on their following and therefore promoting products based on that following and it's fraud. And we're thinking, why aren't there lawsuits brought about about this? And what does the future look like for someone who has bought followers signing contracts to sell products and are lying about their following. I was thinking in a similar vein for this, it's it, what are the consequences in the future for somebody that sprouts such baseless nonsense with no consequences? Well, we've seen the consequences for someone like Belle Gibson. And there is a distinction because Sarah's day is not doing what Belle Gibson did. She's not claiming she has cancer and that she's healing it naturally with food. She is a step or two away from that though. And yeah. she's getting into dangerous territory. And Belle Gibson seriously suffered with... Uh, legal fees and court costs and the rest of it. And for anyone listening who's thinking this might sound like a contradiction, because last week we were sharing Laura Henshaw's story behind Keep It Cleaner, we should really reiterate that Laura Henshaw's Keep It Cleaner has doctors and 
dietitians, dietitians and physiotherapists and everything behind it. There is a whole team of experts. Laura Henter and Steph Claire Smith are the face of that company, yet they have GPs and people who have trained in those fields for Same decades behind them. Same as sort of the, um, the Sam Woods and things like that. I mean, they're all influencer businesses based in the health and fitness sphere, um, but it's worth looking into what's, what's going on behind that. If you dig into what's going on behind Sarah's Day's podcast, when they're handing out advice, nothing's going on. Yeah, and... It- I'm honestly so worried and I know that we might get people coming out out like out for us after this because why do you think that because she's got such a dedicated loyal following and if you look at her podcast it's got 3,000 reviews not 90 like us no I know I agree with that and I think she's only been on my radar for a couple of weeks so I probably haven't had the ability to glean how loyal her following is but that just terrifies me even more and reiterates to me why it's so important that we talk about things like that is because if you have such a highly engaged audience that are so influenced but when you say buy a top they'll be influenced when you say I could have got cervical cancer but I reversed it because I ate really healthily I think the overriding message is not every opinion is made equal and we need to be really prioritizing the people who have studied this in universities and in formally recognized roles for years Well, that's what I was going to say is that in any of these issues I always am looking for a solution what can we do to make it better and I think go to the podcasts where people are qualified I know Louise Adams who we have had a little bit to do with in our work as journalists who's an eating disorder expert has a podcast about health and fitness um, not even fitness health and and eating and food and things like that go and listen to that please from crappy to happy is really good that's with Tiffany Hall who's a personal trainer but also with a psychologist there you go. and I find that really fascinating hearing from a psychologist about um, how to really develop healthy uh, attachments to food and wellness. And I think that's really helpful without becoming obsessive. Fashion can create a dream, create a fantasy. It's the kind of theatre. The Met Ball is the Super Bowl of social fashion events. The first Monday in May. Of course, on Monday night, US time, the world will watch as some of the most famous stars in the world walk the steps of the Metropolitan Museum of Art in some of the most spectacular gowns (laughs) of the year. It's a pretty nuts occasion and one that will be covered by most of the major news outlets across the world. Mish, do you understand the hype? Like most things in fashion? No. (laughs) I don't understand the hype. I guess my initial thoughts when I think Met Gala are... Insane outfits, lots of celebrities, and lots of wankers. Yeah, I think that's about right, <laughs> to be honest. Oh, can you walk me through it? Why is it such a big deal? I love how you're pretending that I love it. Like, I do, I am interested in the world of fashion. Like, I do like fashion. I think it's a pretty out of touch, wanky industry. And I think it's when you get to the Met Gala that my interest sort of wanes because I will look at the photos and I'll read the articles about it. But there's something that feels, I guess, really, again, out of touch about. Uh, an event like the Met Gala that is so outrageous. The dresses on the red carpet of the Met Gala aren't meant to be ones that you could wear even to the Oscars. They are stupid in their uh, sort of creative, in the creative license that designers take. But that's the idea behind it. It's a costume gala to raise money for the Metropolitan Museum of Art. Um, I think it's so high profile now just because of Anna Wintour. Um, Anna Wintour, obviously the editor-in-chief of Vogue, who sort of took it upon herself to take this event to the next level over 20 years ago. My interpretation is she took it from kind of like a charity event Mm. to the biggest party 
in the world. Which says it, that's just Anna Winter for you, like taking something and making it 20 times better than it should be. Um, and she has raised oh, hundreds of millions of dollars for the Metropolitan Museum of Art um, and their sort of costume exhibitions doing it. So it's funneled into their costume department, is that right? Which is kind of their fashion department. Yeah. Okay. I, I, look, I, my understanding is not perfect. Okay. Um, my understanding is that tickets cost $30,000. Confirm or deny? <laughs> confirm, but rarely a celebrity will pay for that, I'm pretty sure. $30,000. Yeah, so often designers will go with a plus one, which is a celebrity, but Anna Wintour has to tick every single person that walks through those doors off. Mm. So they'd have to um, tick that off. A table over 200 grand. So say Dior invites someone, I guess that's really good for Dior because it means that celebrity has to wear their clothes. So it's kind of like an exhibitionism yes, relationship. And I guess the idea is that, what well, you're right, if someone like um, Dior creates a creation, because there's no other way to put it, you <laughs> cannot possibly call it a dress, a piece of art, that the idea is it's great publicity, which it is, but these aren't wearable trends. The idea is to draw attention to the sort of far more cheaper lines of clothes that they sell, which, you know, only retail for about three grand. I can't believe how expensive and glamorous it all is. And apparently there's a waiting list on who can attend and who wants to attend. But I was quite disturbed to learn that Donald Trump proposed to Melania at the Met Gala in 20, 2004. I didn't, I didn't know that. I was going to say 2014, but it was way longer ago. Yeah, he proposed to her. They're not coming this year. Because they're not cool enough anymore. <laughs> um, also, it was the scene of uh, that very famous in the lift scuffle between Solange and Beyonce and Jay-Z. So it's not like nothing happens at the Met Gala. I have a few issues and I don't even know how to articulate them very properly because I think... Well, this, that's good for a podcast. I know, right? But I'm going to try. <laughs> I'm just going <laughs> to think and speak at the same time. But it's it this is where my disconnect with culture really comes into play because like i said to you i love fashion but i think i love fashion from a standpoint that i love it for me to be creative um i like putting together stuff because naturally i like doing creative things but when it comes to something that is so privileged and so and just dripping in money um, for a cause that I don't understand. And I'm going to be super open about that. I don't understand the millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars that's going to a gallery. I understand. It's a lot of millions. That, yeah, I, I tried to articulate just how many. Um, that's going to a gallery that I understand is really good for tourism in New York. That's probably really good for culture and arts. But all I can see is people probably around the streets of New York needing that money more just living on the streets who are begging for money and it just seems so absurd to me it really yeah. really does and I think like I said I think it's a problem for me because this is where my disconnect with culture really comes in yeah and it is to the extreme luxurious I guess so this year the ex exhibition is titled heavenly bodies fashion and the catholic imagination which seems how did you feel about that I feel okay about it. I guess it's a time in history and it represents a certain type of fashion. So I don't know. I don't know about fashion. Why are you no, asking no, me no, a fashion no, question? No, because I read it and I just stood, I stood, I sat there and I looked at it because I thought, God, it's a really interesting idea that when the Catholic church is going through such an embattled time for some pretty horrific things. G'day, George Pell. Um, yeah, I think this is why it's on my mind this week, that we can glorify it in such a way and remove remove the politics from the the culture aspect of but it. But I guess you we? could say that with anything. Didn't they have a Chinese style exhibition? You could say that what you're gonna erase all the negative things about Chinese culture. No, I by... agree. I think I'm wrong. But I'm just saying <laughs> to be honest. But I think it left a, an uncomfortable feeling in my stomach and I think it's just because of the nature of this week, to I, be honest and yeah. Um, I tell you what I'm really excited for. 
The fact that this is like a Catholic theme and the dress code is Sunday best. I cannot wait to see someone half naked with the dress code Sunday best because that will just be so funny and awkward for everyone involved. Like, are there going to be random like crosses that people are wearing around their well, necks? Like, the- is this not a weird form of appropriation, even though the Catholic Church is predominantly white? <laughs> is it not weird? The Catholic Church has donated a heap of artwork as well and different, I don't know. Oh, so can donate artwork but can't give to child sex abuse victims. Ooh. Sorry for getting heavy. But, but This is a celebrity podcast. Can we keep it light, please? Um, I have to say I have my eyes particularly peeled this year because Harvey Weinstein's wife, Georgina Chapman, runs a fashion, high fashion line called Marchesa or Marchesa. Marchesa. Marchesa? I'm not even going to pretend to know how to pronounce it. It's our weekly pronunciation debacle. <laughs> There's always something. And um, a couple of years ago, I think it was in 2016 when the theme was far more uh, skewed to technology, um, Marchesa did a dress, made a dress with IBM that was sort of like all LED and it was on the model Caroline Kirkova and it was a really famous dress from that that night. Sure. I remember what you're talking about. (laughs) You probably wouldn't even recognize it if you saw a photo. And I just thought, I wonder if this is a really good time for them to make their comeback. I mean, they've had real standout dresses on the Met Gala in the last few years. She has had a few months, more than six months to lie low. Um, the brand has lied very low, but it hasn't been pulled from any of the major outlets that it's stocked in. I wonder if they'll be dressing anybody on Monday um, and if this will be their comeback. And I don't know how I feel about that either. And if they do dress anyone, I want to know who's going to put who's- their hand up for that. I think it would have to be a friend. I don't mm. think anybody else would because when you've got so many designers at your disposal, if you're invited to the Met Gala, you're not going to have a shortage of designers that want to dress you. Mm. Well, supposedly the question on everyone's lips is whether or not Beyonce will be there. I didn't know this, but she's famous for making the final entrance at the Met Gala. She wasn't there last year because she was pregnant with the twins and about to have them. But I just love that, that Beyonce is such a queen, queen that – she comes in at the very last second. My God. Imagine just waiting, waiting for every last person to go out and then you're like, it's my time. How can you not have an ego when the world treats you like that? Mm. Honestly. I think she must. I think, and I wouldn't blame her. I mean, we call her Queen Bee every second of every day. Yeah. This entire thing's just a bit of a wank. That doesn't mean I won't engage with content created from it, but I do struggle to understand the money behind it I the guess. opulence of it all yeah yeah and we will be sharing some of our favorite looks in the celebrity <laughs> gossip facebook page because what's better than a couple of hypocrites coming to you live from michelle's lounge room there is nothing better i think that's all we've got yeah i think that is we've just sprouted enough opinions today. <laughs> hey guys thank you so much for joining us for episode nine now Whee! we've been overwhelmed by your support for our little baby podcast When you subscribe to the show in your podcast feed, it really does help spread the word and allow other people to find our show. And we've been really chuffed to see how many people are enjoying it and loving it. Yeah. (laughs) That. (laughs) What she said. You have a problem with expression. (laughs) I have a feeling about Zara. Is it expression? I think it's, um, I don't know what it is. Continue. And don't forget, you can take part in the conversation by joining our Facebook group. (laughs) I now just get nervous when I reach this part. Search for Shameless Celebrity Gossip on Facebook and please come and be our friend. That sounded very slushy. You were kind of... You're right. (laughs) I would would get anybody to write down search for Shameless and that to not be a tongue tie. 
You can also email us your thoughts. Our email is shamelessthepodcast at gmail.com or you can follow us on Twitter. It is now my time to go. You're going to depart the Andrews residence. Andrews Rees residence. <laughs> I'm going to take that purple shirt with me. <laughs> You're going to have to try and hop over all the washing on your way out. Thank you, guys. Hello, guys. Mish here. I am the co-founder of Shameless Media. Thank you so much for giving us your ears and your mind and your time. We're so grateful. If you enjoy the stuff that we produce, may I recommend our brand new podcast, Style-ish. Style-ish, if you want to say it quickly. Style-ish, if you want to take the long way through. It is our podcast for all things fashion, brand, business, and beauty. If that is in your wheelhouse. If you care about style content, you will love this show. It is, of course, more than just a show as well. It is a newsletter. It is an Instagram feed. It is a TikTok account. There is so much good stuff going out on Stylish every single day starting now. So in your favorite app, search for Style-ish. Give it a listen. Give it a follow. We are an independent media company and we would be so, so grateful for all your support. That's all for me, guys. Check out Stylish and have a good one. We will see you next week for episode 10. See you then.